And uh, let's, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Luke uh, chapter 11. Uh, for those of you that were here last week, uh, we have started a month of prayer. And really this is just a month that we're going to challenge you as a, as a disciple, a follower of Christ to learn to pray. And last week we talked about uh, it's, not, uh, it, it's not as easy as some people make it look. That prayer has to be um, taught. And, uh, and so last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about the disciple who, uh, who approached Christ and said, hey, teach us to pray. And uh, we talked about the Lord's Prayer that Christ had taught. And so we're actually going to read um, chapter 1. We're going to kind of review that. And we're going to read a long passage. And uh, so we're going to start with verse 1. And I'm not quite sure the team is ready for this, so bear with me, team. But we're going to start from verse 1. And we're going to read all the way down to verse um, 13. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, um, let's go ahead and go there right now. And, uh, and let's pray that the Lord would just kind of move and stir our hearts. So Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for Gustavo Maribel and the family. Uh, uh, the family that is here to celebrate that. I pray a blessing over them today. Pray a blessing over Gustavo. Uh, Lord, I pray a blessing over this church. Will you shepherd us into 2018? Will you be our senior pastor, our good shepherd, and may we uh, become better followers? May that be the prayer this year for us. Lord, can we become better followers this year? And we follow you better, follow you more and deeper. And so, Father, help me teach the church to pray, speak through me. Um, and we ask, Father, that you would just bless us and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 reads like this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and this is what we talked about last week, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which one of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, now this is the part I'm going to focus on this morning, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. Right? Sounds like what, you know, some of us, right? It's late at night. What are you doing here? Don't bother me. He says, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are now with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Now, we're going to kind of break this morning's message up into two sections. And so Jesus goes from teaching us what to pray in verses 1 through 4, and we talked about that last week, to teaching us how to pray in verses 5 through 13. And so Jesus will use two analogies that we want to highlight today. And these two analogies are this. Jesus is going to teach us about the impudence of the asker and the character of the giver. 
And so we're just going to focus. When we pray, we're going to learn something about ourselves, and we're going to learn something about the one we're praying to this morning. And Jesus is going to use two analogies to teach us those things. Now, in those days, let me explain this uh, little parable that Jesus tells. In those days, oil for lamps was expensive. So most people would go to bed really early. So the sun would set and maybe they'd stay up for a little while until the oil ran out and then they'd go to sleep. And so you're talking about a bedtime, maybe somewhere between 7.30 and 8. Some of you say amen to that. Now here's another thing that you need to understand. (laughs) Some of you don't go to bed at all, right? Um, Houses were small. Uh, so when the families did go to sleep, they slept in the same room. Some of you can say amen to that. You're like, that sounds like me today, right? Uh, some of you came from a big family or some of you, you know, shared a bedroom uh, for a few years, you know, some of us for a lot of years. And, um, and so during those times, uh, oil was expensive, so people would go to bed early. And houses were small, so families would sleep um, in one room, in the same room. Now here's something else that's kind of odd travelers, in order to beat the Middle Eastern heat, would, would prefer traveling in the cool of the evening. So travelers sometimes would lead, leave in the evening and move on their journey when it's a little bit cooler, which means that it wasn't at all odd or uncommon to have a visitor or a traveler kind of arrive at their destination at an odd time of night. And so when Jesus is telling this story, he's not just kind of making something up that's kind of, oh, man, I don't get that. The listeners are really understanding what he's saying. Are you with me? Now, one more thing that I think we have to take into consideration is fresh bread. Jesus prays in the prayer, give us our what? Daily bread. And what we also have to understand was that fresh bread didn't stay fresh very long. It doesn't have all of the preservatives that we have today in our bread. And so a lot of times, a lot of families didn't have what it took to be able to conserve their bread overnight. And so you'd have to actually purchase fresh bread every morning. Um, And so a lot of times, it's not not too far out there uh, to kind of see that Jesus' scenario is making sense to the disciples. He's talking about prayer. And so um, here's kind of the big problem or the big issue that's going on. Um, Because hospitality was such a sacred thing in that culture. We don't know what hospitality is here in America. We don't know what hospitality is, right? Like our door shuts, and if you're a stranger, you're not coming in. I had somebody knock on my door at 8 o'clock. I turned off all the lights. I looked through my little people. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what he wanted. My wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, keep it down. And she's like, I'm trying, to get, you know, I'm trying to get stuff ready for the morning. I'm like, I'm trying to protect you. Turn the lights down. <laughs> it's a true story. My poor wife, we, all these analogies from our house. Um, she <laughs> but I'm like, I'm trying to protect the house, babe. That could wait. I don't know who that guy is, right? But, you know, in a culture where hospitality is sacred, they open the door, man. Come right inside. Let me make sure I give you some. And have you ever been to somebody's house where that took place? We were in the Philippines uh, for our mission trip, and we're going back, yeah. And uh, we spent a few weeks out there, and the hospitality was just tremendous. Tremendous. And actually, we had fresh bread delivered every day as well, which was actually kind of cool. Um, but the hospitality there compared to hospitality here is just, so a lot of you know, if you walk into somebody maybe from a, a different country, their hospitality is different, right? You walk into a house of somebody who's been here for a long time, it's kind of like, well, There's nothing in there for you, you know? And so because hospitality was sacred, it's such a sacred duty in that culture, 
um, because it was such a sacred duty in that culture, and because uh, the household that this this the main character of the story lacked bread to offer its kind of late night traveler guests, um, the main character is prompted to go to his friend's house to try and borrow bread despite the odd hour of the night. And it's in this point where Jesus reveals to us a powerful truth regarding our prayer life. And I really want, it's just one point, and I really want to kind of hit this home and move on, but it's just one powerful point that you can walk away with this morning and sprinkle it into your prayer time in January. And Jesus says this, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, here's what I want to tell you. When Jesus is telling, giving this analogy, he's not talking about God, that God's a reluctant giver. He's talking about something about the asker. He's highlighting a characteristic about the asker that's important. And so he tells us, the man that's coming over late at night looking to borrow bread, the friend is kind of annoyed with him. And this says the friend isn't getting up to open the door and see what he wants because of his friendship. It's not because of relationship that he's doing this, but because of the man's impudence. The impudence of the asker gets the attention of the giver. And if you're taking notes this morning, I really want that to resonate with you. The impudence of the asker gets the attention of the giver. Well, what do I mean by that? The word impudence can be translated shameless. Hmm. Shameless. It refers to the audacity of the main character. Can you imagine the audacity of this man to awaken his friend and possibly disturb his friend's entire family simply to borrow some loaves of bread? But what you and I would call petty, what you and I would call tacky, what you and I may feel shameful to do, Jesus is saying there's something about that that's attractive to me in prayer. And it's, look, I want you to know this. It's not the impudence itself, but there's something that's causing this man to be impudent. There's, there's a, there is a desire inside of this man. There's a want, an ask that he has that's causing him to be impudent. And I'm interested in that. What are those prayers in 2018 that, are, that you are taking before the Lord? And it's not just a regular prayer. It's a deep desire that you're willing to fight for, that you're willing to be awkward for. Some of us, we don't have anything like that. Maybe that's the problem. Sometimes you have too much. The impudence of the asker gets the attention of the giver. And what you and I may call tacky or embarrassing, Jesus says is attractive to me in prayer. Now, we're going to move on to the second portion of this. Watch how Jesus uses this second analogy now to tell us something about the character of the giver. So he talks about the asker, but then he also talks about the giver. Listen, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 11, and we're going to read now verse 11 through 13. Jesus will say this, What father among you, if his son asks for fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so he says this. He said he gives one analogy that talks about the impudence of the asker, and then he switches and he talks about the character of the giver. 
And he calls God Father again. Here's that word, Father, something that is uh, out, out of the ordinary during that time. And he says this, and I'm going to repeat it because it's so powerful. He says this, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus reveals faith and prayer are a must. Faith in prayer is a must. Faith and prayer is a must. And when we pray, we must trust the one that we're praying to. We must trust. When we trust the character of the giver, then we won't be afraid of the contents of the gift. Are you with me? Jesus is saying one of the most powerful things about your prayer is that you would step into the presence of God and you would look at him as father and you would trust him. The more you trust who he is, the more you'll trust what he wants to give to you. You with me? When we trust the character of the giver, then we won't be afraid of the contents of the gift. This second analogy turns our attention away from what we get to. It turns our attention from what we get to what we are asking. Or to who we are asking. I apologize. Let me say that again. This particular portion of this analogy highlights. And it, and it highlights, it takes our attention. It turns our attention away from what we get to who we are asking. What we get to, who are we asking? Our primary goal in prayer should be communion with a father who loves us. I'm going to take my time to say that. Our primary goal in prayer should be communion with a father who loves us. The more we understand the goodness of our dad, the more willing we become, the more willing we are to accept his answer as best and beneficial for our lives. You know, what I see many Christians battle with when it comes to prayer is not the fear of asking but the fear of the answer sometimes there's some of us in here today it's like you know what i am not afraid to ask i believe that part but what i'm afraid of is what he's going to tell me my reply what his reply will be what will be his answer and when we have afraid when we are afraid of the answer of god it means we don't trust god's answers and that means we don't trust the god of the answer we don't trust who's on the other. We don't trust that he has our best interests in mind. Are you with me this morning? I remember being called into ministry. My goodness, if there's any way that you would be questioning God. I mean, there's many ways. But one of the ways, I, God, I don't want to go into ministry. I'll do anything else for you. I'll, be, I'll, do, I'll serve. I'll be on all teams. Green team, blue team, red team, yellow team. I just don't want to pastor a church. I don't want to be in charge of anything important. I want to live my life. I want to follow Christ, but I don't want to go into ministry. I don't want to put my life in danger. And what I was really saying is I don't want to make the kind of money that ministers make. <laughs> right? Now, this is my personal story, so don't, your story might be a little different. That's totally, some of you are called to do amazing things. But for me personally, he's called me into ministry, and for me, that was synonymous with being broke. Some of you in here today, you still think that way. <laughs> my dad laughs, but he was the one telling me, don't go, son. There are some parents, there are, there, there are some, he loves me. He's a good, good father, I promise. But there are some parents in here today, you discourage your children because you're like, no, 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 no. You ain't going to have a house. You, ain't gonna, you know, you get what I'm saying. Look at Pastor Phil. <laughs> right? Some of you use me as an example. Be careful. God hears what's going on. 
<laughs> but I don't blame you because I felt the same way. And I look at my son, I'm like, mm, you know, but I. <laughs> but I guess my point is when I knew God was calling me to ministry, it wasn't about what he was calling me to. It was about who the one was calling me. And if I trust in who God is, then I can trust in whatever it is he's calling me to do. Whatever he's calling me to go. Whatever he's calling me to give, I can trust. I can trust him. And this is what Jesus is trying to emphasize. When you go into prayer and you say, Father, you're focusing on who he is. And when you focus on who he is and when you realize he's someone you can trust, you're ready to receive whatever he has to give. In fact, (laughs) here's the thing is, you go from begrudgingly to ready to excited. At first, you're not trying to, I don't want it. And then you go and you're like, okay, I guess this is what God wants. Anybody ever been there? I'm the only one. At first, it's like, no, God, never. And then you're reluctantly going, okay, God, all right, I guess this is what you want me to do. I guess you want me to step into membership. You know, I got to actually serve on teams. I got to, right? And then all of a sudden, when you begin to trust what he's doing and he begins to show faithful in your life, you go from reluctancy to excitement. God, I can't wait to what you give me next. That's a beautiful place to be. I will say this. There will be some people that will go to heaven and love Jesus, but they'll never experience that place. Because their whole life they'll go kicking and screaming. But there are, some, there are a few people that will enter into that place and say, you know what? Not only am I excited, not only am I going to that place, but I'm excited where you're taking me. Because through this journey, I've learned to know that you know what's best. That you have what's beneficial. Amen? Amen. Now... Like I said, when it, as Christians, sometimes we battle, when it comes to prayer, we battle not with the fear of asking, but the fear of ans- what the answer will be. We struggle with God's plan. We struggle with God's will. We struggle with his timing. We struggle with these things because we're not absolutely sure he's good. Now, eggs and fish were common snacks. I know it's kind of weird, right? But again, I went to the Philippines. I had below as a snack. It's I was like, this is a snack, but it was a snack. I, Filipinos in here, I apologize, but I don't know what y'all see in that. But, uh, man, it was, a, it, 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 yeah. And so, so different cultures, different, right, different strokes, different folks, amen? Eggs and fish were common snacks. While serpents and scorpions obviously were not snacks, but these were common dangers, right? These were common dangers. So Jesus is saying, no human father would refuse to give bread to his child, nor would any human father ever try and deceive his child by offering them something worthless or potentially life-threatening instead. I would never do anything intentional to harm my son. I love my son. In fact, everything I do, I try to do for him and for his own good. And if me, a human father, full of sin, full of mistakes, I even though I try to do what's best, I probably hurt him more than I help him sometimes, right? I'm like, get up, don't cry, you know? Like, stop, you know, he's like totally hurt himself, you know, and poor guy deserves to cry. I'm like, get up, you know, and in my mind, I'm doing what's best. I'm trying to teach him to be a man. I don't want my son to get easily spooked. I don't want him to get easily hurt. I know that as he grows up as a boy, he might get picked on. He might fall, but he needs it. And so as a man, in my mind, I'm doing all these things to help him grow. I'm probably harming him. Well, you know, I'm like, don't cry. He's like, oh, you know. And what do I mean by that? Even as men that have good intentions, we're so full of sin sometimes. We, the things that we try to do for our kids, we end up hurting them more than helping them sometimes. But my intentions are good. I want what's best for him. And I love how Jesus will look beyond that and use the analogy of a human father and say, if you're human fathers, you want bread, they'll give you bread. If you're hungry, they'll feed you. They're not going to hand you a serpent. 
I'm not going to hand you a scorpion. And I love some of the most powerful words in, in chapter 11. You ready? He says, how much more will your heavenly father give you? How much more? This isn't prosperity gospel. Just how much more does your heavenly father not just give you in terms of riches and whatever you want, but how much more does he love you? How much more does he want to protect you? How much more does he want you to walk according to his will? How much more does he want to bless you above and beyond what you could imagine? And I'm not talking about monetary. I'm talking about a blessing that lasts in eternity. Are you with me? Jesus says, if you human fathers who are full of sin want what's best for your son, how much more our heavenly father who is pure and without sin, how much more will he do for you? Now, I want to finish this morning's message by answering two questions. How should I approach God and why should I trust God? I want to answer those two questions. How should I approach God and why should I trust God? Starting with how should I approach? According to the passage, the formula is simple. Are you ready for the formula? Audacity plus persistence equals impudence. Audacity means bold and brave. Plus persistence means enduring and continuous equals impudence. And I asked this question earlier. I want to pose this question again. What are your bold, brave, and continuous prayers in 2018? What are they? What are those enduring requests? Not the flaky, unstable, double-minded prayers, right? You started January 1st praying for something. By the time you got to January 15, you forgot about it. Not the flaky, unstable, double-minded prayers. Not the ones you prayed for one day but forgot the next day. I'm talking about those requests that are so valuable, so vital to you, that they stuck with you in 2017, and you're carrying them over into 2018. Now, I remember when 2017 started, I prayed a prayer. And I remember as I was praying, I I began to write down in my notes some of the major prayer points. And these were the points that I were going to carry with me throughout 2017. And you know what? God only answered one out of ten. And so guess what? I took him into 2018. Because these are the vital, valuable prayers that God has laid on my heart. They're not the flaky prayers, the unstable prayers, the prayers that change. What are the ones that you've been praying that are sitting there that are causing you to be persistent and consistent before the Lord? And if the answer is I'm not sure, then I would say get in your prayer closet and begin to take process of your heart, inventory of your mind, and ask God, what are they? What are they? What are those brave requests? Not the safe unimaginative, careful, inside-of-the-box type prayers. But what are those creative, bold, and fearless tasks God has called you to that seem and feel impossible? Carry those into 2018. Keep praying those prayers. Pray the impossible one. What's the one that you want to give up on? That's the one God wants to answer. What's the prayer you want to give up on? What's the one that's been lasting for a couple of years? What's the impossible one? God says, I want to not only answer it, but as you pray through it through the year, I want to teach you something about yourself. You know, God uses unanswered prayer to form your character. No matter what, it's always a blessing when we pray. Even the ones that aren't getting answered, God's molding you into the image of Christ. He's teaching you something about you. And maybe that desire is something he wants to transform a little bit. Are you with me? So what are those enduring requests? What are those brave requests? Finally, what are those shameless requests? What are those shameless requests? 
I'm not talking about those reserved, dignified, proper requests. I'm talking about those snot-filled, teary-eyed, I don't want anyone to walk in on me while I'm praying requests. Do you hear what I'm saying? Can I say that again because you all look very dignified. (laughs) Y'all look too dignified this morning. I'm talking about, and forgive my French, but snot-filled you know what I'm saying? You ever seen someone, you, you know that prayer face? You ever walked in on someone there and they look at you and it's just coming out? Some of you are like, I, I don't know that one. Well, I'm going to tell you, get that one this year. What's that prayer that's just moving inside you? You can't even, you know, you can't even, you can't even say words. It's just so, what's the prayer that breaks you? What are the snot-filled, teary-eyed, indignant prayers, the shameless prayers, the prayers that you're praying? You're like, man, I hope nobody comes in. But if they do, they're going to see just how much this request is important important to me. What are those in 2018? Jesus says, man, that's attractive. (laughs) Your mascara's all run out. You know what I mean? Your nose is all over the place. You know, no one else was thinking your hair's all over. It looked like you slept all day. That's, That's attractive to Christ. That's attractive. And I mean that in a very spiritual way. What are those needs? What are those desires that you're so desperate for that you're willing to become impudent before the Lord? What are they in 2018? I want you to think about this as you pray this next week. As you step into your prayer time and you use the the Lord's Prayer as a model. We talked about that last week. I want you to take these questions into your prayer closet this week. I want you to ask yourself this week, number one is what are those enduring requests? Number two, what are those brave requests? And number three, what are those shameless requests? My challenge to you this morning is that you would take some time to fill your 2018 prayer request sheet with these kinds of prayers. Take a walk, take a hike, do whatever it is you need to do this week to begin to identify the requests that the Father loves to answer. Spend time with the Lord in these areas. I want to finish with the last question and invite worship team to come back up. The last, the last thing that I want to talk about, I'm actually going to make my way down closer to you. The last, the last question I want to answer this morning, we're going to go from how should I approach God to why should I trust God? Why should I trust God? And the answer is simpler than you may think. The answer is this. You should trust God because his fatherhood is perfect. Why should I trust God? And God would say, because my fatherhood is perfect. But sometimes simple answers are too complex to actually believe. Let me explain. There's no doubt in my mind that there are many of you in here this morning that can't grasp the concept of good heavenly father because it's hard for you to identify because the earthly father wasn't very good to you. And I'm going to go off script just a little bit this morning because Jesus doesn't talk about this. So I'm going to go off script a little bit, and I'm believing the Holy Spirit is going to lead me there. But sometimes it's hard for us to trust Heavenly Father because Earthly Father wasn't trustworthy. 
You see, even though I would never think about hurting my son, the reality is, is that there are some sons and daughters in the building this morning who are hurt by their fathers. And instead of your fathers giving you bread when you asked for it and eggs as a child, you ended up with scorpions and serpents. And so when Jesus gives this analogy, it's difficult for you to understand. It's difficult for you to respond, and it may even be, it may even be hurting your prayer life. It, you, you may not know it, but it may have snuck into your trust with God. And that I was a child, and I asked for him to be there for me. I asked for bread. I, asked for the, I didn't ask for everything. I wanted just the necessities. And he gave me a scorpion. Jesus, I don't get your analogy. Your earthly fathers gave you serpents, scorpions, and the reality is, you ready for this? It still stings and poisons you this morning. And as a result of sin and selfishness, you were abandoned by your fathers. As a result of sin and selfishness, no birthday gifts, no holiday visits. Many were lied to, some even physically or sexually harmed by their so-called fathers. And as much as you want to trust God as dad, something inside you tells you no, and it's awkward and weird, and I don't get it, and I don't want it. But I want to say something to your heart this morning. God is the perfect father. The perfect father. Can I speak this to your soul real quick? Every place your earthly father failed you, your heavenly father more than succeeds. Everything your father was supposed to be, your heavenly father is in full. All the events and milestones of your life that your earthly father was supposed to be present for, your heavenly father was fully there. You see, God prefers for us to call him dad in prayer because that's exactly who he is to us in life. He's our provider. He's our protector. He is our disciplinarian, and he's also our encourager. And I love the word encourage, E-N-courage. It means to infuse courage into something, encourage. I'm going to take courage, and I'm going to put it inside of something where it wasn't there before, and something that was fearful, and something that was timid, and something that was shy. When it's encouraged, it means that courage was placed inside of it and what it didn't do before because of fear and now walks in courage. There's some of us that are afraid to take risks. Some of us are afraid to step outside of the box because we were beat down. We were told we couldn't. But there are prayers that God's waiting to meet you to pray and he's waiting to infuse courage in places where there's fear. You see, God wants us to call him Father because he's our provider, he's our protector, he's our disciplinarian. We can't forget that one, amen? He does. He rebukes us. He directs our paths. Maybe sometimes we're a little offline. He causes us to come straight. He speaks strongly to us, and that's okay because he loves us. Perhaps you can't trust your heavenly father this morning because you still have some bitterness towards your earthly father. But here's what I want to just, I want to declare, and I chose that word on purpose. I want to declare that 2018, and I know that's kind of cliche, but I want to declare 
and I'll use all the cliches I can. 2018 has got to be the year that you begin to trust God. 2018 has got to be the year that you go, you look back to your life, and you look back on your life, and you see where my earthly father failed me. Man, there were some fathers God sent along the way. There were men that were sent in your life that you don't even know about. You begin to pray and look back. You're like, you know what? My dad failed me here, but I remember this teacher. I remember this baseball coach. I remember this football coach. I remember there was this, you know, nothing crazy or weird, but, you know, and they didn't stay forever, but they came in and they infused courage. And so where my earthy father failed, I looked back and it was my heavenly father was there and sending men in my life to be what other people weren't. There were some pastors, some mentors, some leaders that came in and poured into me, prayed over me. They said they cared. Are you with me? 2018 is the year you're going to look back at your life and see father figures God put there. 2018 is the year you're going to meet more father figures, other father figures. Men of God who are going to provide corrective experiences for you. And they're not going to, you know, it's not going to be this whole, you know, they're not going to come and breathe this whole father to you. and be, But they're going to just provide these little corrective experiences to remind you that God is your father. And you're going to look and you're going to remember that one man that came and brought food for your family that one time. That one man that came and gave a check to your mom, you didn't even know about it. And there, there was provision that was taking place. And there was discipline that was taking place. And it may have not been perfect, but God was there even though your earthly father may have not been there. Are you with me? 2018 is going to be the year you see the fatherhood of God clear. And thus trust him with every need and every request. And you're going to allow him to minister to your heart. Lastly, 2018, dads, men in this room. You're going to learn to reflect the heart of God. You're going to realize that of all the language God could have chose, and I'm not being, you know, sexist or, you know, I'm not, I know that it's a hot button, but of all the language God chose, he chose to cut, ask us when we come into his presence to call him Father. He did. And you could argue with me all day long, and that's this and that's that, and theologically, whatever you want to say, but when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, they said, Father. And God refers to himself as Father. And that there's something about mamas, but there's something about dads. And in a culture that puts dads down, you all know that there's a void when daddy's not there. And so dads, and you may not be a dad, but you can still provide corrective experiences. You will look for people to bless. And not in a weird, unhealthy way, but you will look for people to bless. Look for people to honor. And you would be careful what you say and be careful what you do, knowing that there are some people out there that can be taken advantage of and manipulated because they don't have that, right? So be very prayerful and very careful. But nevertheless, God wants to call the men of this house into true fatherhood, true leadership, so that we would reflect the kingdom. And I love my dad. I am so honored by my father. I love you. And because he knew how to provide and discipline and give, even though I walked away from the Lord, I, never, I always knew who God was. And, yeah, I kind of fought with it, and I made a joke that, you know, don't go into ministry. But I went into ministry because I knew that my dad's a provider on earth, so I knew that my heavenly father would be. And it's because of my dad I have the courage to walk out something I was very fearful to do. And so there's a power, dads, of you in here. Love you. There's a power of what dads do. Power. And as a church, we should be, men in this church, we should all be fathers. 
We should all be fathers. And so we're going to pray in just a moment, but will you let this song just minister to you this morning before we leave? You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. Jesus, we worship. It's who I am. Oh, and I heard a thousand stories. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved. It's who I am, it's who I am, oh, and I've seen many searching for answers, far and wide, but I know that we're all searching for answers, only you provide, cause you It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Who I He's perfect. He's perfect. Cause you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us, come on, tell me He's perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are. Perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect.
you're standing there, can I just say a prayer for you? And if there's anyone this morning, man, you're just struggling with this concept of fatherhood. Maybe it spoke to you, and I know it can be tough sometimes. And today we kind of touched a place in your soul and in your spirit that maybe has been a really private place. But I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we've all been hurt. We've all been scarred. Some of us more so than others. Some of us, there's abandonment. Some of us, there's frustration. There's bitterness. There's anger. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would come in and you would heal the pain, the wounds that were caused. And so uh, I've become codependent on my iPad, and so I think this is the Lord trying to teach me something um, about this. And so if I fumble along a little bit today, will you please excuse me? <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and uh, let's, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Luke uh, chapter 11. Uh, for those of you that were here last week, Um, we have started a month of prayer. And really, this is just a month that we're going to challenge you as a a disciple, a follower of Christ, to learn to pray. And last week, we talked about uh, it's uh, it's not as easy as some people make it look, that prayer has to be um, taught. And, uh, and so last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about the disciple who, uh, who approached Christ and said, hey, teach us to pray. And uh, we talked about the Lord's Prayer that Christ had taught. And so we're actually going to read um, chapter 1. We're going to kind of review that. And we're going to read a long passage. And uh, so we're going to start with verse 1. And I'm not quite sure the team is ready for this, so bear with me, team. But we're going to start from verse 1. And we're going to read all the way down to verse um, 13. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, um, let's go ahead and go there right now. And, uh, and let's pray that the Lord would just kind of move and stir our hearts. So Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for Gustavo, Maribel, and the family, uh, uh, the family that is here to celebrate that. I pray a blessing over them today. Pray a blessing over Gustavo. Uh, Lord, I pray a blessing over this church. Will you shepherd us into 2018? Will you be our senior pastor, our good shepherd? And may we uh, become better followers. May that be the prayer this year for us. Lord, can we become better followers this year? And we follow you better, follow you more and deeper. And so, Father, help me teach the church to pray, speak through me. Um, And we ask, Father, that you would just bless us and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 reads like this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and this is what we talked about last week, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which one of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, now this is the part I'm going to focus on this morning, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. Right, sounds like what, you know, some of us, right? It's late at night, what are you doing here? Don't bother me. He says, do not bother me. The door is now shut, my children are now with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Now, we're going to kind of break this morning's message up into two sections. And so Jesus goes from teaching us what to pray in verses 1 through 4, and we talked about that last week, to teaching us how to pray in verses 5 through 13. And so Jesus will use two analogies that we want to highlight today. And these two analogies are this. Jesus is going to teach us about the impudence of the asker and the character of the giver. And so we're just going to focus. When we pray, we're going to learn something about ourselves, and we're going to learn something about the one we're praying to this morning. And Jesus is going to use two analogies to teach us those things. Now, in those days, let me explain this uh, little parable that Jesus tells. In those days, oil for lamps was expensive. So most people would go to bed really early. So the sun would set and maybe they'd stay up for a little while until the oil ran out and then they'd go to sleep. And so you're talking about a bedtime, maybe somewhere between 7.30 and 8. Some of you say amen to that. Now here's another thing that you need to understand. (laughs) Some of you don't go to bed at all, right? Um, Houses were small. Uh, so when the families did go to sleep, they slept in the same room. Some of you can say amen to that. You're like, that sounds like me today, right? Uh, some of you came from a big family or some of you, you know, shared a bedroom uh, for a few years. You know, some of us for a lot of years. And, um, and so during those times, uh, oil was expensive, so people would go to bed early. And houses were small, so families would sleep um, in one room, in the same room. Now here's something else that's kind of odd travelers, in order to beat the Middle Eastern heat, would, would prefer traveling in the cool of the evening. So travelers sometimes would lead, leave in the evening and move on their journey when it's a little bit cooler, which means that it wasn't at all odd or uncommon to have a visitor or a traveler kind of arrive at their destination at an odd time of night. And so when Jesus is telling this story, he's not just kind of making something up that's kind of, oh, man, I don't get that. They're, the listeners are really understanding what he's saying. Are you with me? Now, one more thing that I think we have to take into consideration is fresh bread. Uh, Jesus prays in the prayer, give us our what? Daily bread. And what we also have to understand was that fresh bread didn't stay fresh very long. It uh, doesn't have all of the preservatives that we have today in our bread. And so a lot of times, a lot of families didn't have what it took to be able to conserve their bread overnight. And so you'd have to actually purchase fresh bread every morning. Um, and so a lot of times, it's not, it's not too far out there uh, to kind of see that Jesus' scenario was making sense to the disciples. He's talking about prayer. And so um, here's kind of the big problem or the big issue that's going on. Um, Because hospitality was such a sacred thing in that culture. We don't know what hospitality is here in America. We don't know what hospitality is, right? Like our door shuts, and if you're a stranger, you're not coming in. I had somebody knock on my door at 8 o'clock.